So I'm glad that we didn't hit record a minute ago because all three of us cleared our throats and made weird mouth sounds at the same time to prepare, and it was truly disgusting. So mm. you're not, welcome, might not, listeners. Might not have been enough. Yeah. <laughs> For, uh, yeah. So glad we did. We'll do it in the after the show. World. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Orchestra. What's going on? Good morning. What's up? Happy Valentine's morning. Day, everybody. Oh yeah, happy oh, Valentine's yeah. Day. Do you guys celebrate Valentine's Day? No, have you ever? Absolutely not. I made a video okay. for it, but only that that was the only celebrating we did. I made Kelly a Valentine's Day gift in the video, and then I gave it to her. I surprised her at the end, which she knew I was making something, and. Then later that night, I'm like, you don't have to accept that gift. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's silly and stupid and bloody. <laughs> bloody. Bloody. So uh, <laughs> it was the AI hey heart. Yeah. yeah. Hey, guys, this is what I'm doing this week. Um, I had AI Midjourney design a jewelry box or a little heart-shaped box. That's actually a really beautiful object. Yeah. And... For some reason, AI decided blood was cool. So I did some variations of that until I came up with, with this. And that's what and the then, heart's for, David. What did yeah. you expect? It's, it's yeah. <laughs> AI knows what it's doing. That's right. I never doubt the computers. And um, it's, uh, yeah, I don't blame her for, she didn't say I don't want it, but I know she doesn't. <laughs> but it's got, she it's didn't got say some fancy she woods in there. Right. It right. does look really nice. Thanks. Yeah. You, I mean, you did a good job. Maybe it could be a screw box. I'll put screws or nails or something in there. It's mm. all flocked on the inside, so it'll be... Screws or nails. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what shouldn't go in there. Yeah. But normally we heart. don't celebrate Valentine's Day or Sweetest Day. Yeah. I had dinner with a friend last night. We had a nice time. Cool. That's it. We, um, what did we do? We went to Walmart last night. That was really cool. <clears throat> to buy a trash can. Super romantic. And then uh, we, I played Minecraft with two of my kids, and then my wife took the other two kids to soccer practice. So Nice. Just a to give people of, a preview of what 20 years of marriage looks like. That, yeah, a couple of years ago, it. Kelly got a toilet for her birthday. But <laughs> cool. we, did, we, he, we had decided that birthdays, birthday gifts are something for the house. So she got a toilet. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah. Hmm. We started dating, well, like... Yeah, I guess we started dating on February 13th. Not because for any, it just happened to be the day that it happened. And so it's the day before Valentine's Day. <clears throat> and so that, over the last 20 years, has become a thing that we kind of celebrate just because it was when we started being together. It just happens to be right before Valentine's Day. But it's like we do it before it was cool, before everybody else right. celebrates. So it's different. Right. You know what I mean? It's funny, my ex-girlfriend from 2000, we dated for five years. Uh, we were actually together when I bought this house. She calls me every Valentine's Day because we we met at a party in Brooklyn. And I said, like, what are you doing this week? Oh, no, no, let's have coffee on Wednesday. And then we got together on Wednesday and we both realized it was Valentine's Day. Not noting, not really paying attention mm-hmm. to Valentine's Day. So just like you, Bob. Yeah. So she calls me every Valentine's Day, even though we've been split up for 15 years. She calls me and says, happy anniversary. I say, happy anniversary. But we grew up as kids. We grew up together since we were little kids. So we're like old friends. That's cool. But it's cute. So I got a call from Heather yesterday for Valentine's Day. Nice. 
our wedding anniversary happens to be on Sweetest Day, and it has nothing to do with Sweetest Day. It was I, only. I don't explain that to me. I don't know what Sweetest Day is. I never heard of that. It's like Valentine's Day, but in October. So you get every six oh. months, you get the the greeting card companies get to make uh, <laughs> money, and the restaurants gotcha. get to make more money. Um, you guys aren't familiar with Sweetest Day at all? I've, I've never, never heard, heard of that. that. No. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, Sweetest Day is like October 17th, and that's the day we got married, but it had nothing to do with Sweetest Day. It was only because that was when the cabin was available for us to rent and get away and go get married. Hmm. I remember that. I remember when you got married. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. We were we were together at that time. Yeah. Wow. We yeah, should, you got, you the got three married. of us should celebrate. Uh, we'd come up with our own holiday, making it day, and it's just mm-hmm. us like being happy that we've been together for so long. <laughs> well, that <laughs> would be April Fool's Day. That's Dave, you, you got married secretly, right? Yeah. yeah. There was uh, there was just four of us. Four of us you went didn't want to, to a cabin you, and... You didn't no want family. to, no helicopters, no paparazzi. <laughs> yeah, we, we, very low key. Yeah, yeah. No, no paparazzi. Yeah. Mm. Security. Yeah, it's a good idea. It's hard to but do it was with cheap. all the attention it was, that you get. Yeah, but it was really cheap. It was like you know, you uh, a few hundred dollars for the cabin and then food for the weekend. We paid another couple to come down with us to do the ceremony, and that was it. And then there was my family is very divided like at my my dad was around at that time but my mom and dad did not talk to each other they did not like each other and it was just it would just be really weird to have a wedding even my graduation from high school was super weird and mm, just that's i didn't want any of that so our wedding was just about us yeah that makes that's sense nice. awesome well uh david showed what he was working on <laughs> this week jimmy what have you been working on this week? Well, I had – it's funny when you work with advertisers and they want to see what the video is. Most of the time, and you guys could corroborate this maybe in your own experience, the advertiser just wants to see their little segment. They don't care about what you put it in. They don't care about the video build. And so this time I'm doing a thing for Noom and they said they wanted to see the video build. And so my agent's assistant was like, yeah, can we see that in like – Two days? I'm like, two days? I was going to build it like a week from now. Like three days before we said, like, no, they want to see the whole thing in like two days. So I rearranged my schedule. I didn't go. I, me- I mentioned I was going to go look at this antique car. I didn't go on Sunday, a Super Bowl Sunday. I-, I actually worked on my video all day Sunday. And I'll tell you a funny story about that. So I worked on my video all day Sunday and got the build part done e- Monday evening. So I submitted a rough cut. And just waiting on notes for that. So the build, though, the build video is, since I've been getting more physically fit and challenging myself to exercise more, I built one of these devices that you hold up in your elbows and you do knee lifts. I don't even know what it's called. I don't even know what the title of the video. When you do knee lifts or you could hold out on the edge and then do dips for your triceps. What is that Hmm. stand called? I don't even know what it's called. I'm not familiar. I don't know. You know, but you understand what I'm talking about, though? Like, you, you do, like, you, you, you back into it, <clears throat> and you put your elbows on it, and then you lift your knees up to your chest. Yeah. It's like a, oh, okay. Yeah. It's like a rack. Sure. Knee lift rack. I have no idea what I'm going to call it. i got to figure that <laughs> it's out. It's a torture rack. It's a torture <laughs> rack. It is kind of torture because I'm so out of shape. I have a hard time doing both of those exercises, either the, the dips with the, the, with the triceps and then the, the belly thing. 
Anyway, I built that, and that's done. And I'm just waiting for notes on that. And so I'm jumping back in. So I finally started working on the pool table. And the pool table has such serious complex geometry that <clears throat> the young man who owns uh, one of the owners of Blatt's Billiards, I mocked up a couple of things with him last night. On We went back and forth online. I sent him several pictures. So I, I say it all the time. There's always something that – there's always one thing that makes you – well, a few things that prevent you from jumping into a project, and it's the complications of something you're just not familiar with. And in my case, it's the geometry of the bumpers in relationship to the opening of the holes. And he gave me some specific templates to follow. He talked quickly when we met, and I wrote down as many notes as I can, so I went away from that. And finally, last night, digging into my notes and trying to remember what he said, and then we have we obviously have an open communication, so I made like a slice of what the rail of the pool table would look like, which included the bumper and everything. And we went back and forth and cleared up some stuff. So the pool table, so for me, that was a breakthrough, confronting that little geometry stuff, which was holding me back and getting past that. So the pool table will breeze through a little bit faster. I know from my dad was a huge pool player. Like he traveled and played in tournaments and, and uh, it was a huge part of his, his life. I mean, it's what he studied and played in nine ball and eight ball tournaments all over the place. And he would play these different term tournaments and the pocket size was not standard. He would come back and be like, Oh yeah, it was tight pockets. Or I'm sure when you get to like the super professional level, everything is, is standard, but you know, you get the the seven foot bar tables. They probably have wider pockets than when you go to you know a nine foot tournament, and the pockets are a little tighter. I'm going to show you guys just a couple of quick pictures. I'll do an Instagram story on this, but oh, yeah. you can see that's a little cross section of the bumper where the bumper goes. So I made based on my pencil sketches. I did some of this stuff. Oh and, wow! Yeah, and How- I have a question about that. <clears throat> um, so the little the innermost surface. The little pointy part that the ball yeah, actually the rubber hits bumper. on the rail. Yeah. So is that rubber? What is that's, that? Yeah, material? that's hardened rubber. Yeah, it's like a okay. vulcanized rubber. Definitely rubber. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, that was the question. And if I could show you again, I'll show this on Instagram later because they went. How they how is that attached? Because the when they reclothed my my table that I got from my dad, I think they take the the bumpers off, they put the cloth on there, and then they attach yeah. it back on. How is that attached? Well, you could see the. Cloth is stapled to this little negative space right here on the bottom. So that's for staples. The fabric comes up and over and wraps here, and then they bang a piece of wood in to keep it tight. Oh, okay. And then so the whole the geometry the is whole more complicated rail, than when you, you think. The whole rail will come completely off. Yeah. Wow. So the rails get screwed up. And even, so one thing I learned, which was a little bit of a breakthrough, so the whole rail will come off of the slate, this whole piece. So you only have – you have – the two ends, it's one, two, and then you have the sections between each. So you have this six, oh, six individual pieces yeah. of rail. That makes sense. And so the, you'll, those will come off and you'll pull the, put the fabric back on. Um, <clears throat> so they're screwed up. So the whole rail of a pool table is hung on the slate, and the entire slate is sitting on the legs. The, the edge, the rails, and the legs don't ever touch. They're never the same thing. Without the slate, you'd have a rim and you'd have a table that don't connect, which was a little bit of a 
thing for me, hard to get my head around. I didn't realize it. The whole rail... Now, we're only talking about billiards tables that don't have a subway system. That's a whole different story. But that's what we'll be making. Uh So a billiards table where the pockets are leather and just catch the balls. That whole entire brim is connected to this three-part slate. And then the whole three-part slate sits on top of a set of legs, which is like a big beefy set that carries the slate with uh, some beefy supports inside. So I was, I, I'm also struggling with the design going back and forth of trying to mimic a classic design or digging into what I know best, which is kind of doing something either rustic or industrial looking, or I do want to include some, some lathe work. So I'm going back and forth and trying to come up with something of what people might expect of me versus trying to just mimic something classic. Because to mimic something classic, I'd have to start carving now and finish in like three years from now. Because there's so much intricate carving in a lot of these things. And now I'm also also trying to isolate sections of the design where I could throw in a CNC and put some brand identity between Type Bond Glue and the billiards company, which is Blatt's Billiards. And the fact that there is a very long-standing brand of billiards involved in this, and I'm the technician, I really want to. I have to make sure that the table is accurate mm, yeah. because their name's going on it. and even, It will be raffled off and given away eventually to a private citizen, but still want the, the quality and the reputation for all three of us to be in there. I wonder if there's a way to, uh, I don't have any clue what design you're going for, so this may not work, but I wonder if there's a way to take, to separate the, the shape and the material or the aesthetic of the material, and do one of those that's classical, but the other that's Jimmy. And so, like, either, yeah. you know, classic materials with a new shape or classic shape with new materials. That exactly. Like that's exactly the type of, of challenge I'm putting myself through right mm. now. So I drew up something that looks fairly classic, but I'm looking at it going, how can I maybe make that with oddball materials? Like, maybe... Some resins. I also have to obviously include type on glue for the, the majority of the glue up. So I'm thinking I'm, I'm going through all that. Yeah. I'm thinking mouse skulls. Mouse skulls, yep. Inside like where there's like the little spots are where you would put the diamonds. Yeah. It could yeah. be like a bumper, a bumper pull table, but the bumpers are mouse skulls. Yeah. <laughs> and you just have to like bounce off. So it's, uh, it's a design challenge. And, you know, the time is getting a little tight. I have to finish. I'm working on this. Non, I call it the no-float boat, the boat that is a bar that, that I'm working on. I'm capturing video for that. <laughs> That's good. And then I'm working on my float boat, the one that is a real boat. So everything get, everything's getting inched along slowly. Well, you got a lot going on. Yeah, I know. Sometimes I ask myself why. I actually said <laughs> no to a trip recently. Hmm trip to go do something and they're like can you come do this and I, and I and i like checked it was the first time i thought i got the email so i like scrolled through it and i'm like oh i actually talked to them like six months ago and said yeah let me know when let me know when we get closer i'll tell you and so i said no right away but then i looked through and i was like oh that's why they i gave them a little bit of oh. promise because i said maybe strung them along yeah it was just because i just that was six eight months ago i was like yeah let me know call me then <laughs> maybe we'll do it and then it's just i have too much going on yeah we're not taking any real trips. I don't have any plans to take any trips this year. I don't think I'm going to be going to any of the normal events. Uh, yeah, just decided not to this year. 
if I if I travel this year, it's going to be with the kids. It's going to be with the family. Mm-hmm. That's good. Going to do that. So, uh, let's see. For me, I have been. So last week I talked about the video game project that we are doing, and the game is out now. So I guess I can talk about it. I don't know. Like we haven't gotten approval for the video yet, but the video is supposed to go out tomorrow. So maybe by the time you hear this, it will be out. I don't know. Uh, but there's a new Hogwarts video game, so it's like a Harry Potter world, you know, magic game. And they asked us, the developers asked us to make one of the items from the game. I won't say what it is in case that is spoilery, but it's really cool. And it was a whole lot of work. We had to completely remodel, by we, I mean Josh, had to completely remodel the entire object, which is fairly complex, uh, from photos because the game models that we had, I think I mentioned this before, were just really low polygon, not printable. And so <clears throat> we spent a lot of time figuring out how to how to construct it. Then he went and modeled it, and there were a bunch of really interesting model, modeling challenges as far as like details on like inlays on curves and just weird shapes and built-in hinges and you know like channels for electronics and all this type of stuff you muted jimmy what'd you say am i allowed to say that we saw it sure yeah it looks great thanks yeah um detailed yeah it was it was a lot of detail and a lot of printing and we had to make two of them so uh and all, all along the way Maybe we can talk about this, or a topic is semi-related to this later, but um, all along the way, so we modeled the whole thing, Josh modeled the whole thing, and then we started printing pieces, and then we'd start to go put something together and go, oh, we forgot to put the channel for this thing, or we forgot to leave a gap for the, you know, the hinge to be able to exist in this one position or whatever. And each one of these pieces that we were printing were, like, anywhere from four to, I think the... The longest one was 11 hours. And so there were, gosh, I don't even know, probably 25 hours of printing per thing, per item, and we did two of these things. I only had to do one on camera, but the other one I had kind of going a few steps behind the whole time. So we were printing on these things. We kept running into these problems where stuff just wouldn't fit or we forgot a thing or whatever. We'd have to reprint something. And then along the way, I was trying to paint the parts and finish the parts and wrap the parts in fabric and run the electronics and all this stuff. And when we would run into a new challenge, we would have to backtrack and then do those parts again. And so it got to where I was doing all of... This is the first time that I remember this. I was doing all of these processes along the way at least three or four times. Usually, you know, I get to do something one time and then that's it. But I got to go through it a couple of times, figure it out, and then do the final one. Not final, but do the one. And then, when it was all over, I got to go back and replicate that with known stuff. And the second one took like a day to do. Maybe a day and a half. It took no time at all. I knew the processes. I knew the order at which everything had to be done. I knew the trimming I had to do on pieces so that they would fit together. So I could kind of do all that stuff. And it was just a really different... That part of it was really different for me because we don't ever do anything twice. And it was a little frustrating, but also really cool. I want to say that when we get into our topic that uh, Crummy Welding reminded me to bring up, remind me of my advertising story that I'll tell you because for me it's the perfect insert. So just because I'll forget. Yeah. 
All right, cool. Um, anyway, so that that thing is done, as far as I know. We're just waiting on approval. I'm really proud of the work that we all did together. I'm proud of the video. Anthony did some really fun, like cinematic type, you know, wizardy stuff <laughs> with it. Uh, Pun intended. Yeah. So it it it's really cool. I'm very proud of it. And it was fun to do something like that to get a picture and an instruction that said, make this thing that's never existed in the world exist, and it has to be kind of magic. It has to do a thing. It has to light up in a way that's not realistic. <laughs> like, it couldn't possibly do this. So we had to figure things out to be able to do it, and it was it was a lot of fun. So that's kind of the big thing that I've been up to. Uh, finished that last week, over the weekend. And so then this week, it's been a lot of man, just like trying to reorganize the shop and trying to clean up after that concentrated, you know, I'm on the bench with all of this stuff, all of the paints and the airbrushes and the glues and the fabric and the fabric scissors and the cutting mat and all of the things out, kind of resetting everything. And then once I got it reset, I was like, well, what about that table? That table needs to be reset. (laughs) Go clean that table. Like now I need to clean that thing. And so I'm partially through this kind of spring cleaning or something of just resetting the shop and trying to get it back to where I, I don't have to worry about where things are. I can just go enjoy the space. Mm-hmm. Um, and that feels pretty good. It's not something I do often enough, I don't think. It's led me to to look at kind of have like the woodworking area of the shop and then the other end is kind of there's like a storage area and then there's the metalworking. It's like a big L shape. And so it's made me realize that I there's a big section in the middle that I don't use for woodworking, even though that's kind of what I was planning on it. So now I'm thinking, well, how can I how can I shift everything? Compress the parts that I, I know it, there's enough space here. So how can I compress things that way and expand another thing this way? You know, so I'm I'm looking at some pretty big shifting. And that's kind of exciting too. It's like you know, just a new layout, new organization and stuff. Um, and then even in the hallway right outside my office that goes to the shop, I have this like this shelf, this two or three layer shelf that I made for 3D printers many years ago, like back in Savannah, and I just moved it here. And it's the printers have changed over the years, you know, different sizes, different I added resin and that has its own stuff with it, but I never changed the structure of this thing to match the printers and so I've been working designing a bunch of little doodads for around the shop and stuff the last couple days and so I've been printing a lot more than I have in the last year and going to this station where these printers are I'm like man it's really hard to reach this thing or like I have to bend down to get the resin thing out and then I have to clean it up and it's all over the MDF and it just gets nasty and so I'm it was nice to be able to step back without the intention of making a video about it and be like, how can I make this little thing I'm looking at better, more usable for me? Because nobody else is going to care. Nobody else needs to see it. And it's, I think, between the organization and then kind of redoing that little section and redoing, like, my electronics table behind me is clean for the first time since ever. Doing those little things, I think, is just making me feel like I'm preparing for myself to to have an easier time rather than making a video about some organization thing. Does that make any sense? Yeah. I 
wonder because you have two shops. You have your the building where you film a lot of things, and then you have your your wood shop, which is at your house. Have you ever been caught like when you're at the building and you're like, "Oh, we need to cut something real quick," and then you have to run all the way to the house to film and cut something? Oh yeah, <laughs> several times. <laughs> like, are you going to do anything about that, or are you just going to try to plan better and live with that? Well, I think over time we've moved um, or we've duplicated just like battery tools over there at the building. So <laughs> if we need to, you know, we've got a circular saw and a, a handheld router. And, and then we have the big CNC and laser too that we can use those as a table saw if we need to, but it's mm. not that convenient. So we CNC have a basic bandsaw, set of... Or a laser yeah. bandsaw. <laughs> yeah. We have a basic set of tools over there. So at this point we can pretty much get through, you know, any of those little things that come up. But gotcha. we still always have to run back and forth. You know, that's just part of it. Anyway, so I've been doing a lot of that around here. Um, I, we've been reviewing our next online course. I've been going through the edits of that and trying to, like, you know, verify that it's correct and interesting enough and all that. Um, we're about at a point where we're going to get some beta testers to start going through it. I'm really excited about that. I want to, I'm excited to see what other people think about it, get some feedback from people who are – it's stuff I know – and so it's easy for me to think I'm explaining it well because I'm explaining it the way I understand it, but I don't know if that's going to, you know, hit with other people the same way. So <clears throat> I'm looking forward to that. We're getting really close on that, looking to release the course soon, which is exciting. Um, what is the one course more thing. on? Did you Do say I, it? Did you, what was the course on? I was reading something, sorry. It's a Arduino course. So oh, right, 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 right. You mentioned yeah. that taken people who have zero experience like the intention is it doesn't matter if you have ever even thought about coding before or thought about electronics we're starting from the beginning and we're going to get you to where you can you can like logically build code in your head you can write code in a way that works and you know you have a basic understanding of how to wire things up with an arduino so Hmm. it ended up being a lot more than i kind of at first I was like it's probably not really going to be that long of a course and I think it's actually probably longer than our fusion one at this point because it's like okay you've never programmed before what is programming <laughs> here are the things that make up you know it, it's I tried to go all the way in for somebody so they don't have to have any context at all that's um, good yeah I'm excited about it uh, let's see the other thing I think it was in the after show last week I think I told you about the oil coming out of the exhaust on the Land yeah. Cruiser. Okay. So after we talked about it, and for anybody, if that was in the after show, everybody else didn't hear it. What I was saying was there's spray, black spray coming out of the exhaust of my green Land Cruiser. And I noticed it a long time ago and I just kind of ignored it. And then finally the other day I was like, I should probably look and see what that would be. Turns out that it's, one of the there's a few things that can cause it, but it's probably a broken piston ring or uh, um, a blown head gasket, or there's a couple of other little things. So we talked about it, and I'm dreading, you know, at this point, I'm dreading like what it could be and what it another would another engine to fix. rebuild potentially. Yeah, just like a whole other thing that I'm already in. But I don't want to drive it if it's messed up because I don't want to make it worse and all the stuff. So we talked about it, and. A couple days later, I went out and I was looking at it, and I looked on the ground at this black spatter 
And I'm like, I don't think that's oil. Hot and I reached sauce. down and <laughs> it's hot sauce. Exactly. <laughs> Turns out there's a what? chocolate dispenser. It, no. So I like reached down and like wiped my hand on the ground on this. It's on concrete. And it was not oily. It was dried up black stuff. And so I started thinking like, maybe it's just soot or something. I don't know. Like I have no clue. Not 24 hours after that. I'm going to say thank you to him, and I have to look up his name because I, I don't want to say it incorrectly. 24 hours after that, Brad Harrison, hey, Brad, sends me a message and is like, hey, it's probably not a blown head gasket. Uh, it's probably, let's see, what did he say? It's probably the soot that accumulates inside your exhaust normally, and when you start the, uh, you get condensation when it's first starting, and it washes the black soot, comes out as a black, black liquid. And... It was interesting that I thought this, and then I immediately got confirmation from somebody yeah. who he's worked on them before. He knows that this is like a known thing, and it was really helpful. He's offered to help and stuff in the future. Big thanks to Brad for verifying that for me. And so I went out there with a paper towel. I like started it up, let it idle, and I walked behind it and held a paper towel up to the exhaust. And I'm just like waiting for it to spatter out a little bit. And it doesn't do it very much, but it did it enough that I immediately like picked it up, touched the black stuff. And it was already dry. I'm like, all right, right. this is not oil. This is yeah. soot. So cool. just a little update. I was very excited that I don't yet have a blown head gasket. <laughs> Best case scenario. <laughs> That's right. That's good. And then you're yeah, that much smarter next time. Yeah. I assume worst the, case the, scenario. The Land Cruiser meetup and everyone's complaining about you. Go, I'll tell you what it is. <laughs> I know this, guys. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I was really excited about that because it's, it's um, one less thing to fix. You know what I mean? Definitely. Yeah. It's definitely reassuring. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's tough when you get that gut punch and you're like, oh, I got to deal with this. We'll talk about some gut punches in a minute. But you get that gut punch and then you're like, oh, oh wait, it's not a big deal. Yeah. You know, it's like when you get a letter from the IRS and you're like, you get the gut punch when you're opening, your, you, you reach in your mailbox, you get the gut punch and you open it up. It's like you owe $22 from 2021. And you're like, <laughs> nothing. It's like every time you get an IRS letter and you open it up in the first line, it says, this is not a bill. I'm like, cool, trash can. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right, we had a topic. So why don't you go ahead and take the topic, Jimmy? Uh, Yeah, the topic is from uh, Roy Crumrine, who suggested we talk a little bit about when you're doing a project and you get really close to the very end and you screw it up, either completely or minorly. How do you deal with it physically? How do you deal with it mentally? And I'll tell you my experience. And I wasn't thinking of this at all when we first started the show, but Bob, you were telling your story and it made me think when you made the second version of your object. So I'm doing my advertisement for Gnome. I have to be careful how I say it because I shot all Sunday morning, all the copy, everything, and I was saying Noom. Noom. Mm -hmm. Wait, Gnome. Uh... This is it. So it's called Noom. No. I'm confused now. <laughs> it's Noom. It's Just Noom. Go, Noom. That's what I was going to do because it's Noom, yeah. right? It's Noom. So I thought it was Gnome. So I was saying Gnome. I did the whole advertisement as Gnome. And Rob Rojas is staying with me. He stays with me on the weekends. He works in the shop. And he goes, you know, because I said, I go, oh, I just finished my ad. I got the edit all done and everything. And he goes, uh, he goes, what? Well, well, I go, yeah, it's for Gnome. And he goes, I don't think that's how you say it. I think it's called Noom. I was like, don't tell me that. He's like, because <laughs> like, my mom does it, and it's called Noom. It's not Gnome. 
Because gnome is a garden gnome. It's spelled differently. I'm like, I know that, but I just thought it was just an oddball thing. So I Googled it, and I found some other advertisers talking about it, and they, I said the whole ad wrong. So that was my gut punch. I'm like, I hope. So when I looked, I was like, gut punch. What am I going to do now? So I went back into the shop with the camera in the same location, with the same audio, with the same microphone, and I looked at the camera, and I said, Noom, 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 noom. <laughs> and I went back yeah. to the ad and I tried to plug it in in all the different spots and it looked horrible. Uh. <laughs> so I spent probably from like 11 on Sunday morning till about 3 o'clock putting that together. And I was all excited to then start my build video. I was going to work all night. And that's when Rob realized that, made me realize I was saying it wrong, and I could not fix it by just patching in the words that I said oddly. Did not look right. It would they would have been like, "Why do you look like a robot? Like, what's wrong with his head?" I'm gonna cough. And so, right there and then, I was like, "I thought I was totally done making these advertisements is grueling. I can't remember three words to string together." I, and but after watching the edit for two or three hours. I went out, I bit the bullet, I went back out, grabbed the copy, I hardly had to look at the copy, and I did one take, not throughout, but I did like one take for each phrasing that I had to do. And I had to tell a personal story, and I, the first personal story was a little clunky, so the second time I repeated it. So I got three or four hours of rehearsal and soaking it in, and mm. then when I had to do the retake and say the correct name of the brand correctly, I went out and I, I did nailed it much. It. I did it much better, much better, and that was only about forty-five minutes worth of work because hmm. I spent the whole day studying the the copy yeah. and listening to myself say the the set phrases over and over and over again. So, what do you do when you get a gut punch and you realize you have to fix the project? It all depends. If it's for yourself, you just show the good side. If it's for a client, you got to sometimes go back and redo the whole thing. But, you know, I always say that's that's I've said it a hundred times. That's when you go to school. You're like, I'm not I'm not building something now. I'm going to college. This is my Ph.D. on mm. doing a little bit more research next time. I'm only 55 years old, so I give myself a little leeway that I don't do enough research. So maybe by the time I'm 75, I will do the proper <laughs> amount of research. But. You sometimes, when you get that far into a project and you realize you've screwed it up, you got to ask, you got to weigh all the options. So, what again, weighing the options, I looked at, I made the first two replacements on the word noom to gnome to noom with my audio patches. I went in, I was like, I spent probably 20 minutes trying to get just those, you know, recording all the, the replacement words and then trying to stick them into the edit. That was like 15, 20 minutes, and I looked at this, and I had so many more to do. I was like, what's going to be easier, and what's going to look better for the final outcome? If I reshoot the whole thing, or if I sit here for the next hour trying to replace all these words or more, probably would be easier. I literally had to do that calculation in my head. I'm like, okay, if I go outside and just say everything over, just start from scratch, I have the pacing of the edit done, I have all my insets, I have all my overlays. All I have to do is just replace the hardest part, which is the part that has to get redone. And I did the math, and I went outside and I reshot it. And I was done much faster than I would have been if I spent the whole day trying to correct all the audio. I have a yeah. very similar story. It was 
basically same thing with an advertiser and i got towards the end of the video and the 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 parameters said absolutely no logos everything has to get approved by a lawyer and i knew that this was uh this was like a real thing like i have to follow all these rules and i'm wearing a making it sweatshirt throughout the entire video so i had to learn how to remove a logo and do all this tracking and that it took a full day and it, that doesn't sound too bad, but a full day of doing something that you don't know how to do very well and that you don't want to do. You were going to college. A, you go to college. Yeah. <laughs> we did. We had a similar thing, except that I didn't have to do the work. So I'm thankful for that. But <clears throat> we did a State Farm video. It was sponsored by State Farm. And they had the same thing. No logos. And I don't really wear shirts with logos on them anyway, unless they're logos that we own. Right. And so... I didn't think about it, but I had on a Nike like pullover shirt with it's a gray shirt with a tiny little gray swoosh like on the lapel area that I don't even see because it's not it's not like bright or whatever. And I didn't realize that I had this thing on, and so they came back with there's a Nike logo in like, you know, 10 minutes of this 20-minute video. And Forby had to go in and do exactly what you're saying. Had to like mask out this little tiny area and track all my movements and everything. Ah, such a pain. I felt terrible, but at the same time, like I don't know how to do that. <laughs> like yeah. I would have to learn it. He already knew how to do it. So yeah. What's funny is like when it comes to logos and stuff. Like life, it's funny how corporations get so hung up because in life we all have our field of vision. Everybody's field of vision is loaded with advertising. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At any given moment. And if we're going to isolate and talk about one particular piece of advertising, unless it's absolutely blatant disregard for other advertising in that little field of vision that we're being forced to watch, it's just, it's like I could be watching that State Farm ad, and although there's no Nike ad inside of it, there's, oh, right on my desk, there's Powerball, there's Altoids, there's. This coffee brand, there's Lycee hard drives, there's a, a boombox from Beats, there's a, you know what I'm saying? So in mm-hmm. my field of vision, even though it's not being isolated on this little tiny square that I'm supposed to be sucking in, I'm being bombarded with branding constantly. So the fact that they're so uptight about that, they think you're going to be sitting alone in a movie theater with your 3D goggles on eating popcorn to watch this 20 second ad. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting, too, that that's a concern. This is a whole different topic. I guess yeah. we probably shouldn't yeah. go down this path. But, like, the in that particular instance, Nike and State Farm are not competitors. They yeah. don't do the same thing. Yeah. And and even in your case, David, making it is a thing that you own. Yeah. That's a right. brand that it's, it's not a competing whatever brand. It's a thing for you. And so it doesn't make a lot of sense to inflict that on non-competitive scenarios but whatever and that's rare that that doesn't happen sure. with yeah. most advertisers yeah yeah only the big ones the bigger deals that we've had that's ever been a concern at all and luckily it's, we've it's throughout the, the years we we've covered most of the logos in the shop on the tools anyway so that's yeah yeah it's it's the bigger brands that have to then get language and visuals approved by lawyers that's mm. that's when you have to remove all the logos and be careful what you say. Yeah. There, the other well, night, so I joke, I'd been joking about the chip thing that I brought up on the show. And, and by the way, here's my chip box that got came in. One that oh, nice. SD cards. That's what he's talking about, everybody. Yeah, SD. The, yeah, the <laughs> SD cards. 
And I made a couple jokes this weekend where I carry the SD card up to the house of my teeth and I showed two little <laughs> video clips where I do that. And everyone's saying, oh, stick it in your hat brim, stick it there, put it there, put it in your pocket. The reason I don't do any of those things is because if I stuck it in my hat brim, I would immediately forget where I put it. And I would think I lost it. I would literally watch myself stick it because I got, maybe I'm, it's early Alzheimer's and I'm not even joking. I will literally stick it in my hat brim and go, okay, it's there. And then I'll get to the house and I'll be like shaking cat fur off my hat. And I'll be like, then I'll think to myself, I'm like, what did I do with that chip? And then I'll be in my computer and I'll be like, oh, it was in the hat. And then I go find it and it's on the deck because I like shook it out. Mm. <clears throat> that's, that's why I, I do. So I have to keep it in my teeth so that. But the other night I came up to the house, talk about, I shot the end of all my, my video of me building this exercise equipment, which included a lot of like welding and cutting, like things I couldn't really do over again because the object is done in time i can't go backwards and i get to the house and I have the chip in my teeth and i'm doing stuff and and I, i'm like this and i'm like and then all of a sudden i'm like what did i do with the chip it was no longer in my teeth just like i do all the time have no idea where i put it i'm like walking in the yard i'm looking on the floor, side by side i could and it has like the last few bits like of me welding mm. and painting on it and i'm like so in my mind going back to the theme of this concept this conversation is Okay, if the chip is totally gone, how can I recreate all this stuff? I, I have the material. I can do close-up fake-outs of, like, the things that I'm, that I'm going to need. I could recreate, like, a close-up TIG weld. I could recreate – I could paint just, like, close-up images of, like, the, the, the stock to make it seem like I'm just doing really close-up shots. And then when you do ba-dum and then it's done, which now it's done. But I found it. On the windowsill, when I began to wash my hands, I instantly took it out of my teeth and stuck it on the windowsill by the cat mm. and washed my hands. And then it took me about 20 minutes to find it. I was going through the laundry. I was like taking laundry out and shaking out the clothes I just put in the laundry. But I, and that's exactly what I do. I joked about it twice this weekend, then it happened. But hmm. I was at the end of the rope thinking, I'm at, at the, I got all my video footage in the bag. Because throughout the day, I, I, I started doing this a few months ago, a few, about a year ago. I'll, I'll shoot for a little bit, then I'll take a break. And during that break, I'll go and edit what I have up till then, have a coffee, check my emails. So I'm building the edit throughout the day. So I don't shoot all day and then lose an entire chip of footage. I shoot and build the video edit throughout the day or through the week. So by the time I shoot my last few bits, I just have to plug in the last few bits and the video's done. Or at least, you know, the rough cut is done. And that's what I was doing on that particular day. But I did not lose it. But I had mm. the panic and I thought, okay, what do I do? And I've had to do that. Did I ever tell you the, this funny story? There's a video where I shot me making a stand of a bandsaw. And we could maybe put it in the notes because it is funny. And <clears throat> it's, it's, I shot the, band, uh, the big stand for this bandsaw about two or three years ago. And I'm, I'm welding and welding. It takes the 220 60-amp plug, which was only in one part of the shop. This welder I had a showcase for Lincoln. So I was welding in a weird part of the shop that I don't often weld because I didn't have an extension cord. And it was near the printing presses, and the printing presses have oily rags under them. And so I'm welding, and then all of a sudden I'm like, in my welding helmet, I see glowing. I'm like, hmm, I just stopped welding. Why is there glow in my helmet? There was a giant fire behind me. I took my welding helmet off, I looked behind me, and these rags underneath the printing press were on fire. And I panicked, and I stamped, and in the panic, I knocked the camera over, the lens snapped off, shot across the room. I 
Thankfully, I had another lens. The lens was totally shot. I changed the lens out, put the fire out, put the lens back on, squared everything back up, and started shooting again. And I shot the rest of the evening with not one sound of audio, not any ASAMR, no welding, no grinding, no screws, no drill, because the mic plug had snapped and when it fell over, but I didn't realize it was snapped off and like in the hole, but still stuck there. So I shot what ended up amounting to at least like 30, 40% of the video with not one lick of audio. So now I'm mm. in the edit. You know, like when, the, when you upload the audio and you, look, you see, and then all of a sudden you notice there's no sound wave. Where's the sound? Oh, it's just not, mm-hmm. it's just not rendered yet. You know, the screen hasn't <laughs> caught up to it yet. And then you check and you're like, you go to the original yeah, file. That's and a it's panic like, moment. There's yep. no audio at all. God forbid, you know, it's like voiceover. You got to obviously, well, there's like talking faces. But so I'm in my kitchen, editing in my kitchen. I'm like, what do I do now? And so I went online. I found some audio of drills. I started doing. I started doing foley in my kitchen. It's like when I when I grab metal, I open the drawer and I shake forks and spoons, and I close it. And then I started doing. It and I got it directly from Portlandia when Fred Armisen does all the voiceovers for him working oh, in the wood shop. That's right. Yes. And so I started going. <laughs> and then when I speed it up, it sounds more like tools. And so. About a month ago, somebody sent me that clip. They isolated that clip and sent it to me. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is funny. This guy's doing the voiceover thing. He's a, and I'm like, wait a minute. It's me. I didn't realize it was me. A friend of mine sent it to me. He knew it was me, but he thought I would be like, oh, that's funny. I remember when. But I watched it for about, about 10 seconds going, oh, I, I remember I had to do this two once. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is my video. And it was so funny. So it's the video where I make a big, giant bandsaw stand for Lincoln. And it's about toward the half the halfway point, past the halfway point. You said, and I'm hoping you're wrong, but yeah. I also hope you were correct. You said you changed the lens and then put out the fire. Oh <laughs> no! I meant because I, I, I didn't put I didn't I didn't say anything else about the fire. So just to yeah. follow up, I put the fire out first. Okay, <laughs> show all the fires were out. <laughs> He had one eye on the fire. It's fine. It looked because I, what I do is when I, all these stupid habits. So when I, I wipe off all the extra ink with paper towels and then I drop them on the ground because the next time I print, all that ink is dry and I could use this, the paper towel just to get off the heavy, heavy ink. And when Mm -hmm. I do it like three or four times, there's so much ink on those rags. It's all dried and crunchy. I just throw them away. And so that's why underneath my printing press, there's always like a few rags that I can immediately pick up just to wipe away the majority of like the ink that's going to be discarded. And that's why there was always paper towels under the press. I don't do that as much anymore because any little spark can cause a problem. The other day I was welding and, and I smelled, I'm like, okay, there's something burning. And I opened every garbage pail and in one of the garbage pails, there was a little tiny fire starting. And that's mm-hmm. why I have metal garbage pails with metal lids. So if I'm grinding or if I'm welding, I make sure the lids are closed. This was one that was outside of my circle, but just goes to show you one little tiny red hot could start a fire in a garbage can. So that's a different topic. But there was another thing where I'm at the very end of the project, and what do I do? Where do I get all this audio? The visual's great because it's exactly what I was expecting to see. I was able to recycle some of the audio from the earlier parts of the video, but there was some stuff where I just made it up. That was fun. It was a fun learning lesson. But When you get challenged, they say a professional... Is just getting better at fixing your mistakes. Yeah. 
I agree with that. I don't think I have too many projects. I can't think of any projects that went fine and then failed at the end. Definitely, like, I could have put a little bit more time in the finish, and I wasn't happy with the finishing. But no total disasters. But I found what is helping me lately is my brother's been here for a year helping me out. And at some point, I got comfortable with him here, and that meant I would get angry when something goes right, you know, cursing, blah, 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 this sucks, whatever. I And I found what really, really helps is when we start, we say, we're going to have a good day today. I don't know why this helps me, but it puts me in this mental state. We're going to have a good day today. Or when we get to a point like this could make or break the project, this could go wrong. We just say, you know what? No matter what happens, we're still going to have a video. That's the, that's the main thing. And I just try to put myself in this mental state of being okay when something goes wrong. And I, for some reason, I have to actually say it out loud and it just makes things better. It helps me laugh at, at the disasters. It's like positive information. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, I can totally identify with that. I think it comes down to what are the stakes? You know, like if you're doing, if you're building something for someone that has given you money, like they've invested in your ability to, to deliver a thing. The stake is either I have to give that money back if it fails or you know, I'm going to disappoint this person with its quality or, you know, there's a stake to that. If um, somebody's paying you, you know, sponsors paying you to ha- hit a deadline or something, which is what we were running into with this thing, these prints failing and stuff over time, the stake was we're just not going to get it done in time. I can finish the thing. I can do it 20 times, but it has to be out this date. But then a lot of stuff, like, I'm coming more to the realization lately that we manufacture stakes for so much stuff that are just not actually yeah. there. Yeah. Like, who cares? I mean, not everything, obviously, but if I'm making a thing that I'm just, I think is a cool thing and I get to 95% and it explodes and catches on fire, as long as nobody's hurt, like, who cares? What what difference does it actually make in the long-term, you know, big-picture stuff Starting over is really not that big of a deal if if there's nothing else that it affects. And so I'm trying to be a little bit more realistic about in life in general. What are the stakes here? Yeah, that's it. You got to weigh you got to weigh this versus that. You yeah. know, the inconvenience of having to start over versus the inconvenience of fixing it. And yeah. you could really see it. I, I always say, and I've said this before, you know, you're the god in the universe of all the objects you make. If you mess it up, you just do it again. It. If it's something you can't do again, you just look at the best outcome scenario, how to make it right. Mm-hmm. You know, there are times that I don't deal with clients as much anymore, but when I used to, if there was something that went wrong, whether it was the color of the paint or something they didn't like about the installation or the shape or size, I go, we're here, we're going to do whatever it takes to make it right. And if that means I have to eat the profit, most of the time the clients would say, you know what? Let me live with it for a minute. I've said this before too. A lot of times people are looking for a confrontation unconsciously. Like, I hate that color. Like, where did that color come from? I go, well, if you don't like the color, we'll change it. 
and they expect me to fight back and be like, if I'm changing that color, you're going to pay me extra. I go, well, if you don't like it, we'll change the color. And they go, oh, oh, well, okay. Um, all right. <laughs> it's not well, that bad. It's not that big of a deal. You know, all right. You know, let me live with it for a couple of days. And that almost, it's like the same concept in a different way when somebody's like, I hate the videos you make. And you go, well, I'm sorry. Well, I, I like with you. I didn't expect you to read this comment. You know, it's the same thing. It's yeah. like if you get, but if you fight with them, that's what they're looking for. So a lot of times clients, and, I, and a lot of times I don't think they're doing it on purpose. It's just human nature when they say, how did this end up like this? This looks horrible. I'm like, all right, well, you know what? We'll make it over. Yeah. Oh, well, you don't, let's, let me think about it. And then if we do have to make it over, then it's an opportunity to make it better. It's an opportunity for you to learn better. It's, uh, it's hard. It's really hard to have that positive outlook in the moment, though. And that's what I'm trying to control with myself is not yeah. exploding. And just, like, take a step back and think about the bigger picture and get out of this moment. Yeah. I think if you can get to that thing in in all situations, it's a lot easier to have a more well-rounded perspective on the situation as a whole rather than like the micro you know the blade went too far that's not fun like that makes me mad but then if you scale out you're like it's yeah it's like an eight foot table like who cares if the blade went that far in this one little corner you know the perspective is a big thing but you have to be able to get yourself out of that perspective same thing goes with YouTube I've been thinking a lot about this lately a lot of people us included, have seen diminished views over the last couple of years on on YouTube. It's not everybody, right? And so, like, I can take that as either we're doing a worse job than we used to do, which I don't think is the truth. Um, people just don't care as much anymore, which might be true. Fashion's or that's changed. just the way it is. It's just, it's just different, right? So, like, I can either continue to, um, like... We're going to beat this dead horse, dead by dead horse. I mean, like, the way that we're doing things, why we're doing things, how much we rely on YouTube's, you know, view system or whatever. We can continue to try that. Or we can just say, like, it's just different now. And that's okay. That means we get to be different and maybe not rely on it or maybe not. I, whatever I don't know. Like there's yeah. there's a lot there, but that's why. By the way, I'm going to be digging into reels more. I just started playing with the bandsaw lettering thing just because it's mm. easy and fun, and people always are impressed by it. So I'm going to do that more. It's just going to be more interesting, different content to deliver to a different delivery system. See how it goes. So I think about the perspective thing. If you hang your hat, or if you hang too much of a stake on, you know, moment X. If that moment X goes wrong, or YouTube starts to change, or the table catches on fire, or whatever the thing is, if you're hanging too much weight on that one thing, of course it's going to be a disaster for you. But if you can zoom out and be like, well, I mean, YouTube's not the world. You know, the table can be rebuilt. Yep. You know, I can put out a fire. It, it helps a bit to start to health. like... Yeah, like you were saying before, like Jimmy and I were talking before we hit record, and he was like... If I'm healthy and my house is not on fire, I think that's what you said. Yeah. <laughs> like it'll be okay. And I'm like, that's a really good point. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. um, so that perspective I think is a it's a challenge for me. Yeah. So and it probably is for everybody, but like I know for me, zooming out in the moment under stress is both helpful <clears throat> and difficult. A funny story. I, a funny story last night. It, 
the uh, older I get, and Bob, you and I talked about this before we started, it was in the same conversation, the older I get, the less I get excited about tragedies. I take them, so example, case in point, last night I was running late to go meet my friend for dinner, and when I got there, I said, I go, so many things went wrong, I couldn't get out of the house in time. I said, I heard this whining in the basement, this piece of equipment. Now my boil is running much more often. There's this piece of equipment that is starting to wear out. It's the fan that exhausts the carbon monoxide. So I sprayed it with oil, but I had to go down and diagnose the situation as I'm ready to leave the house to go drive 30 miles. So I sprayed it with oil. I'm like, okay, that stopped the sound. The motor needs to be replaced in time. I get upstairs, and one of my cats jumps off the table onto the countertop, knocks over all the cutting boards, and a big thing of coffee in a glass jar. And the jar opens up and spills coffee all over the floor. Now, that's the second disruption of me trying to leave the house. And the funny thing was is I'm telling her the story, and I'm like, wait a minute. The cat jumping on the table is, must be on my security camera. So I open up a security camera, and I'm there getting my... And I'm seeing myself from a bird's eye point of view. I'm getting my stuff together. And behind me, the cat jumps off the counter, knocks everything over. And she goes, you're so casual. You just like gently turn around and go, oh, this happened. And I just like (laughs) gently pick up everything. I walk out of the room. I come back with a vacuum, suck up all the coffee. The glass thankfully didn't break. And she's like, you're so calm and collected. And with that, we're watching it. And then I walk right over to where the cat is directly in front of the camera now over the refrigerator. And, And I go, get the F over here. And I grab the cat <laughs> <laughs> and I throw him out the back door and she's, uh, she burst out laughing because she's like, Oh, you're so cool. Come and collect it. I'm like, yeah, aren't I a Mr. Cool? And I forgot. I said that when I grabbed the cat. So like, I'm looking right at the camera and I go, get over here. And I throw him out the door. <laughs> so it was all pent up to that one little thing. Where it's like, I had to scold the cat that he knows he did something wrong, but no, just and then, then when I was, I was, over there and i i'm thinking to myself did i put too much oil on the motor did i put too much is the motor going to go on fire now because the motor was very hot i'm like is there going to be a little fireball on the little metal motor i'm like no no it's going to be fine it's going to be fine so this morning and i didn't hear anything my alarm company didn't call me my brother's staying here he didn't call me and when i crested the corner when you come to my house you go up a big hill and then you come over another hill and then you see my house up there and I came up the hill and I'm like, oh, my house is still there. That little oil concern didn't hmm. manifest. Hmm. So. I think we uh, were so conditioned bet- between YouTube and streaming and television and we see all these successes. Or when like, you know, like I watch a William Osmond video and something goes wrong and they make fun of it and it becomes part of the thing. Like you just, we, I find myself comparing myself to to others and so when something goes wrong like well that doesn't happen to other people this this stinks and uh i i I have to remind myself that other people's successes are not the full story you don't see Mm. the little bumps in the roads that they have because when you watch tv or you watch youtube many times you're seeing the best presentation of that particular thing possible sure yeah editing editing yeah i mean you can't help there you can't help but edit things that are not in person even a phone yeah. conversation is in an edited version of what's happening to you and the person that you're talking to because there's a distance there you're having to like explain things in a way that they can't see firsthand and stuff like that so i mean i don't think that's necessarily a negative thing you know like realizing that everything has an edit to it 
the only thing that really doesn't is is like face to face you know doing something together um mm-hmm. and so we just have to expect that that's part of life but cool well any other thoughts on this no no yeah cool well i have a couple of fun things to recommend remain but calm that's first all yeah remain calm that's good i think perspective is like the thing you know zoom out um look at it in a different way and you'll probably see that it's not as big of a deal as you thought uh, I want to thank our Patreon supporters and tell anybody that's been wanting to get their name mentioned in the show that there's actually a couple of spots open on the Patreon list right now. So you can go to patreon.com slash making it and join up. You can join our top supporters who are, man, I'm good at this, Corey Ward, <laughs> Albers Woodworks, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, Rich at Lowen Designs, Odin Leather Goods, Scott Orem, Warren Works, Michael Monegin, Gretchen Hofer, The Web Ranch Woodworks. But also, people like Samuel Gable, they also support us, and we are very grateful. Um, seriously, the Patreon support over the years, it's the thing that makes the show happen. We don't have sponsors. Uh, it, it's, it's all you all. So, like, legitimate, sincere thank you to everybody that helps us out over there. Um, and like I said, if you want to join that, you want to get the after show at any level, everybody gets it no matter how much they join at, uh, you go to patreon.com slash making it. And, um, yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> Who has something to recommend? I have two this week. I, I, uh, I want to recommend something that's been helping me out lately. Uh, if, if you're in a relationship, Either with a boss or a person or a friend or a family member. Bosses aren't people. Uh, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> bosses aren't people. Now, if you're if you're in a relationship with somebody and there's just something that doesn't feel right, I did some research, you know, based on my recent change in my history of my life, and I found this woman, Dr. Ramani, R A M A N I, and uh, she talks a lot about narcissistic personality disorder in people, and uh, she's been a tremendous help for me understanding that type of person and how to deal with them and how to recognize them for you know future go arounds hmm. in your life. So check out Dr. Romani, R A M A N I. And she's done some stuff with like Vanity Fair and stuff. So she's very prominent. Her channel has over a million subscribers. So I've never heard of her. She seems like a New Yorker. So she seems familiar to me, like uh, comforting, familiar. She's also very good at public speaking. So check her out. She's got a lot of good stuff about recognizing and how to understand difficult people. Cool. Good at that. All right, David, what you got? Mine is, it's a video called Reasonably Sized Keyboard. So this guy makes a giant computer typing keyboard with working switches and everything. It's, it's bonkers. What I also find bonkers... I like, I like when you say bonkers. <laughs> I see the picture. Wow. <laughs> um, if you think what you are into is too niche to make a YouTube channel, this guy's YouTube channel is nothing but making keyboards. And he's got a oh. million subscribers. So there is an audience for everything. It's, it's, a, it's just a fun fun video. I mean, this video has been out for two weeks and it has over two million views. Yeah, I like yeah. The, the the description starts with 
terrible idea. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> even even like it's it's a, such a low effort title for the video because there's no caps in it. It's there's no it's not a full sentence. It's just three words and it's it's not overly dramatic. It's just called reasonably sized keyboard. I don't know. I, I love the low effort. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it stands out. Low effort yeah. stands out at this point. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Neat. Cool. I'm look. I want to check that one out. He looks like a fun guy. Yeah. <laughs> Based on his other stuff. Um. All right. So I have two. One is um. I, I just randomly it got fed to me. It was a TED talk from Ethan Hawke from mm. 2020 or something. I've always liked him. He seems like somebody that would be fun to hang out with. He seems like a cool guy. Mm-hmm. And it's called Give Yourself Permission to Be Creative. And it's just him being cool, sitting in a coolly lit room, talking about creativity. It's you know, it's not going to change your life or anything. But I thought it was really – it's like a passionate talk about like uh, allowing yourself – to be creative and he gives the example at the beginning i don't remember the poet he's talking about but about this this guy who got on tv and played this song and everybody made fun of him and his response was that he was um oh gosh how did he say it he was playing the fool or something he got people to think about things outside of themselves and i can't remember the exact scenario since i watched it but it it's just a cool it's a cool talk about um, just watch it. I don't even know. I'm not going to try to explain it. <laughs> May yes. I add, I wasn't going to pick this yet because I'm only like maybe a third of the way through this book. But I'm listening to The Creative Act, A Way of Being by Rick Rubin. We talked about Rick Rubin a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I started listening to his audiobook, and he reads it himself. And if you have ever seen any recent interview with rick rubin or listen to his podcast or watch any interviews he's insanely calm he's very uh it seems like every sentence that he says is well thought out and i usually listen to my audiobooks at you know one and a half speed this one you've got to listen to it at normal speed and you just got to like just get into the moment of of listening to him and it's so calming but the book is I don't know what I expected, but the book is definitely not what I expected. It's really about being in the moment and seeing what's right there in front of you and thinking about bigger picture. Also looking at the details. It's so, it's so good and calming. I just feel good about myself while I'm listening to this book. So, um, I started listening to it. Yeah. I started listening to it and I got about halfway through the first chapter and I do like listening to him. I like his interviews. I like, he has great stuff to say and I had a really hard time getting into that book for some reason. Oh, okay. It's, it's very heady. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's very heady. Yeah. I, maybe it was just the moment. I mean, I was running, maybe it was, you know, something I just wasn't focused enough, but it, it was kind of not what I expected either and not, not enough for me to continue on with. So I'm, I'll, gotcha. I'll be really interested to hear when you finish it, like okay. what you took away from it. Cause maybe I just need to revisit it. But yeah, it's, um, it's almost, I, I can totally see a lot of people feeling the same way about it because it is so, uh, I don't know. I, I guess I, I, I expected to hear about stories and about how, where his creativity comes from, but it's about 
you find in that place in your head and it's one mm. of those types of books and um uh, i'm enjoying it cool but you i almost have to be in the right mindset to enjoy it right. and uh, i don't know it's it's that's all i get I, I yeah. pro- i've only listened to a third of the book and i could probably just talk about it for an hour hmm well i mean give us an update on it when you get done with right. it. i'd like to hear more about it uh, the other thing I have is I can't remember exactly what the video is called, but our friends at NerdForge. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no idea that she was missing a finger from a table saw accident. I no, I've met her like twice, never noticed it. Wow! And so what? they put out a video where she three D printed a new finger and like made a glove from this open source finger design and then modified the finger to make it work better and then made a glove and made another glove and then made another glove so that when you close your hand, this pinky finger closes with it. Hmm. And so she, it's a fantastic video. Like the editing is great, but also she laid out at the very beginning, here are some things I would like to be able to do that I can't do because I don't have a pinky. She has like a little nub. And Um, so then the whole purpose of building these hands and iterating on this thing is to accomplish this three or four list thing. And so she runs through all the stuff, makes it look really cool and gets to the end and then tests, can it do the thing that I wanted? Can it do this thing that I wanted? Did it help in this way? And it's just really, really good. I was thoroughly impressed and I haven't watched a lot of their videos because I don't watch a lot of YouTube, but I have seen a few of them. It'd been a while and like they're just really really good at what they do both the making but also the video making and the aesthetic of the whole thing like they're very talented so good for them but also go check it out because definitely awesome. and then uh maker maker central posted a video and i tried to repost it but there was a problem of her making a castle which i mean that's what they do but it was just yeah. so cool of her making all the little blocks i tried to repost that little reel maybe i'll do that today but it, it got yeah. Up. But uh, yeah, she th- th- she's amazing. She's amazing. It's funny. My my son, my oldest son, came home. I don't know, a few months back, and was like, he always watches YouTube at school. Like when they get free time, they all have Chromebooks, and so he always that's the only time. I don't ever let let him watch YouTube here. <laughs> so he watches at school. <laughs> so he comes home and he's always telling me about like I watch this, you know, this Minecraft streamer who's doing this whatever, whatever. So he comes home and he's like, I was watching this really cool video and this this woman was making this like castle or I don't remember what the project was, but it was like making a castle out of a PS5 and it's like awesome and whatever. I'm like, that sounds really familiar. Who is that? He's like, yeah, they're called NerdForge. I'm like, oh, I know them. He's like, what? He gets so excited. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I've met them before. They're really cool. That's funny. I might, I when we met this past year... You weren't in England this past year, were you, Bob? Yeah. yeah oh, you were. So I wonder if huh. you're in that. Yeah. Good to see you, too. It's just Glad we whole, get to like hang all out. five of these are all mixed together. You know what it is? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I wonder if uh, we were in a group photo together, if your son would be that impressed. Oh, I Because I know, know I have pictures of me hanging out with them for a minute. I'm in one of their older videos, I think, from the first year. I remember they, they mentioned that. But, no, I saw them, like, in the snack room this year that was the only time i ran into him was at the snack room anyway let's wrap this up i have something to give you a hard time about in the after show so thanks for listening everybody thank Thank you. you thank you catch you next time thank you love you bye